Uh, good morning, church. Um, today there is um, two Bible readings. Um, the first is John three sixteen to nineteen, and then we go over to First John four uh, verses seven to twelve. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Now we go over to 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because, love, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Just press that here. Perfect. You too. Someone answer that? <laughs> Good morning, church. Good to be with you again this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrew, and uh, I'm the pastor here, and a privilege to be the pastor here. If you haven't guessed already, we're talking about love this morning. And when you talk about love, when you, when you have love as your um, theme to preach on, well, it just opens a plethora of places to go and so many different things to do. What I wanted to focus on this morning and what I entitled the sermon is that love, the greatest gift. Yeah, Christmas is a time that we give gifts. You know, traditionally, I don't know if you've got... A, any of you got a Christmas tree at home with presents under it? Yeah? I wanted to ask the kids, and I know the kids are at the back or peppered around there or something. Kids, and, and you can yell out, why do you think we give gifts? We give presents. Why? Someone tell me why. Why do you think you get a present? There's one that wants a present. Anyone? I couldn't. Can someone translate that for me? They care about them. All right. Okay, we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of interaction. I did try this last week, and it was a bit slow. We haven't been to it takes a little bit. So, what I want you to do with the person next to you, I'm going to. Start, I'm going to. I'm going to ask you this. What's the? Well, you're going to ask the other person this. What's the best gift you ever received? 
Who gave it to you and why do you think they gave it to you? You might have to think back a long way. Some of us have to think back a long way. But you might not. What's the best gift that you ever got? Think about it from why do you reckon they gave it to you? Okay, you've got three minutes to share that with someone next to you. All right? All right, okay. Okay, this is where we get to do a little bit more interaction. It goes another level. Someone tell me, what, was the, what, was, what did you hear? What was the best gift that you ever got or that the person told you they ever received and why they think they got it? Someone yell out. What was the best You can't say best gift. Someone yell out. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Her first boy on Christmas Eve. We won't ask who gave that to you. <laughs> yeah. Someone else, what was the best gift that you heard? Sorry? Your children and grandchildren. There wasn't one, that's quite a few there, but that's okay. We'll, get, we'll let you get it. Grandparents get away with that. Someone else, what was the best gift? I mean, can you think as a kid? Go. Yep. And why do you think they gave it to you? Yep. Yep. Okay. A rabbit. What was that? Oh, it's you. You're the, you're the gift. I like to say that to Sue sometimes too. <laughs> now, I'm going to take it another level. Oh, hey, go again. What was the question? You already got the bike already. Who gave it to you? Why did she give you a bike? Well done. Now the kids are arcing up. Okay, now take another level. Share with the same person, what's the best and most costly gift that you ever gave someone and why did you give it to them? There you go, two minutes, go.
All right. That'll do. I can see where... Okay, I want to hear from some different people. What's the best, most costly gift you ever gave to somebody, in your estimation? Yep. You gave them to her. What? Well, I won't ask why. I've got an idea why. Someone else, what's the, most, what's the most costly or best gift you gave somebody? Yep. Michael gave his wife an engagement ring. Oh, that's beautiful. Come one more. Give us another one. You guys are real, real live, blood-pumping humans. This happens in life. Oh, yeah, that's a cool, yeah. can be costly doing that, can't it? You see, a gift is a gift because it's given willingly. Without payment, without being earned, that's why it's called a gift. It's a gift that's given to you. You haven't earned it. Uh, it's been given to you willingly and you haven't had to pay for it. There's no strings attached, is there? It's given often, isn't it, to, to make a statement, to express value, you know, Michael, why did you give Jen an engagement ring? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's scoring points right as he sits there, you know. It expresses value. Um, like, you know, and, and when you start off, when you first meet guys, when you f- and you think that she might be really, really keen on you and you've had... Or maybe we could do it the other way around, but let's just go to the guy thing. You know, all of a sudden, you'd be flat out spending $2.50 on a mate of yours for a drink... But you'll go and splash 25 bucks on a... 25 bucks wouldn't even buy flowers anymore, would it? Anyway, let's go higher. You'll go and spend 50 bucks on, a, on, on roses or, or flowers because you want to say something. And they haven't earned it. They haven't done anything. But it makes a statement. It says, I care about you, or it says, I love you, or it says, I want to get to know you more, or it says, you owe me now. No, it doesn't say that. It's not true. That's true. true. But, and you see, gifts can sort of over, uh, sort of, they, they sort of, what am I, they, they can defy our normal value estimation. You know, sometimes a person that's the most frugal in so many ways all of a sudden can become abundant in gift giving. Gift giving is one of those things that releases something in us that we maybe normally don't have because we want to express something. We want to, um, the motivating force behind a gift is love. We really want rings and popping up at things and, and doing things for people, children, when you get something, uh, a saxophone. Sure, they want to encourage you, but you encourage someone you love. And love is a motivating gift behind that, isn't it? Today, we're on the fourth um, Advent Sunday, as you already knew, and uh, this last one before Christmas, and the theme is love. Preaching in love on love is both easy and really hard. Because there's so much content, like I said, in so many ways. And I know that recently, actually very recently, we talked about that, We didn't we? I spoke on the most excellent way. I did a sermon a month or two ago in Corinthians. And remember that when we talked about that, the Corinthian church struggled with loving each other. That was what uh, Paul was all about. And, and all those chapters leading up to 1 Corinthians 13, where, where Paul describes what love is, he's pretty much telling them everything that they haven't all the ways they hadn't loved. And the church struggled with loving each other and Paul had to show them that it was lacking. 
It was a tough message. It was a tough message for them. But tougher still was that in order to change, in order for them to change, to love correctly, it was going to cost. It would have to be given willingly. That love would have to be given willingly. It would have to have no strings attached. Basically, it would need to be a gift. Paul was asking the Corinthian church to give Everybody else, and that's the example. An example that that Paul used to help people see what a gift of love really looks like in, in the Corinthian church and in all the churches he went to, in fact, was the gift of Jesus, the greatest gift of love. And he always pointed them and said, You know, you, you need to give each other a gift of love. And the one we look to to understand the greatest gift. And at this time of the year, in, in pondering Jesus' birth. And we look at what it means for us and we, we go week through week through the four weeks and we look at hope, that the birth of Jesus Christ gives us hope and brings us hope. And it brought the people that, at that time incredible hope. It brings us joy. We're full of joy knowing that the Saviour is and that our lives are changed forever. It brings us peace knowing that the Prince of Peace has been born and that peace is coming, even though we don't experience it right now. We talked about that last week. And we recognize that this child represents the greatest love gift God could ever have given us. It's not the only gift that God's ever given us. You don't, don't miss, you know, there's, but it's the greatest. You know, we, the gift of wealth, the gift of health, the gift of purpose, and all the other gifts we receive from God, they're all love gifts. They're all because God the Father loves us. But they're not the greatest gift that God the Father gave us. And the reason for that is because they're limited to time. They're limited to this life. Uh, they don't change our status, ch- change our status, changed who we are, changed where we're going. Gave us more than health and wealth and purpose. It's a gift that is for and gives us eternity. And John 3.16, isn't it? And it's a classic one. And you know, every temptation of a preacher is not to go to that verse because it's just so common, you know. And yet it's an amazing verse, isn't it? For God so loved us. And I was thinking about it, you can define so in two different ways, can't you? You know, if I teach you to um, what would I teach someone to do? Not fishing because I don't like fishing. Sorry, the fishermen. But if I teach someone to do something, I say, you, you do it so. Like, this is how you do it. And that is one of the senses of that verse. This is how God loved us. This is what he did. But even more so, there's this, when you use a so, I so want that ice cream. I so like that girl over there. I so want to go on a holiday. <laughs> And so that's a different so. And that's also in there where God so loved us. You see that? It's a wonderful verse, isn't it? Because God loved us so by sending his son. That's how he did it. This is how he did it. But he so loved us. His heart was so for us. Jesus is God's ultimate love statement to us. What did this love do? What does the love do? 
And that's where the material gets huge. And like Scott said, there's 800 places in the Bible where we can find love and have a play around with it. And there were a number of verses that Scott had up there as well. But God's love in sending Jesus did heaps. But I think the greatest is that this gift, and it started as a baby, it was this gift of love, Jesus, saved us from our sin and rebellion. And that is the greatest gift we could have received. And we didn't even know it. We don't even know it. We were unable to fix our broken relationship with God. We were unable to change our destiny from hell to heaven or by ourselves. In fact, we didn't really, didn't really even want to, quite frankly. And we've talked about that recently, haven't we, as well? But God's love gift of Jesus and what Jesus would go on to do and what he did and he continues to do would change our destiny, would be the greatest gift, the greatest gift we ever received. You know, the Bible says that uh, love covers a multitude of sin in, in, in 1 Peter. There's that, you know, love covers a multitude of sin. And I know that Peter is talking to people and asking them to love each other. But he says, he says I want you to love each other since love covers a multitude of sins. Since, when he says that, he's talking about since. You know what happened? Jesus died for you. It covered a multitude of your sins. So when you love one another covers a multitude of sins. And that's God's greatest gift. And I say, thank goodness, because I have a multitude. I don't know about you. I love the line in that song we sang last week, my, you know, that it is well with my soul, when peace like a river. And then there's that line that says, my sin, not in part, anyone know the rest? But the whole, all of it, all of it. That's a great love gift. God's greatest love gift in Jesus saves us and reconciles us with the Father. It's not only a gift that has value in eternity. It's not, and I often use that phrase, don't I? It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's a great gift right now. It's, it's, this love draws us into a relationship with God. One that gives us significance in this life. You see, we're not just significant because we're going to live with God forever. We're signif- we've been made significant now. You know, in ourselves, we're, we're insignificant. But through Christ, through Jesus, we've been made significant. We matter to God now. We matter and we matter to his purposes as well. It draws us in to a life that we can have purpose for him right now. What else does it do? It actually gives us access to the Holy Spirit, to his power in us. Jesus made way for the Holy Spirit to be living in us, indwelling us. The Holy Spirit is part of that love gift that draws a picture, doesn't he, in Ephesians, of just how amazing that love gift is. When he just focuses on the power of the Holy Spirit in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, around verse 18 and 19, where he talks about, um, how that love is the same, that, that power is the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That He's gifted us with that same power, that same Holy Spirit. This love gift that God gave us in Jesus is a gift that gives so much and it keeps on giving. You know, in any gift, in any gift giving, though, there's two parties, isn't there? There's the giver and the receiver. 
and each one of them has a role. God is a giver and as we've just seen, he played his well. He foresaw our need for a saviour and he sent his son to take care of that need. He foresaw our need for the the power and the, the capacity to keep living for him and he gave us that in the Holy Spirit. But we too have a role as receivers. We have to receive the gift. Can you imagine the excitement, Christmas Day or a birthday, of giving your kid, uh, your child a gift, nicely wrapped, and then they look at it, they admire it, they turn it around, they have a look at all the sides and look at how lovely you got the tape on and how nice and neat the folds are of the wrapping. Wrapping's lovely. And then they just pop it aside and they don't open it. How would you feel? I would get in there and start ripping it open for them anyway, so just to get them started, you know how it is. Or they do open it and they think, wow, look, a saxophone. Sorry, yo. (laughs) And they admire it, what a beautiful saxophone. But they never use it. They never use the gift. Terribly unsatisfying, isn't it? You see, the receiver has to open the gift and has to use the gift as well. We must receive the gift of love. We must receive this child, our Saviour Jesus Christ. This child, Jesus. And sometimes it's harder to receive than to give. So how do we receive it? Well, we open it. We open the gift. We open the gift of Jesus. We let the gift in. We let him in. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 9, I'm going to read that for you, so just if you can have a look if you want to, but verse 9 says, think about this, as we have to let the gift in, as we have to receive the gift. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. We've got to receive the gift and we've got to abide in his love. And you might think, well, how do I do that? Well, John is really helpful because the very next verse he tells you how in verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do we abide in his love? We live the way that God wants us to live. We receive the gift of Jesus. We receive the gift of salvation. And we live in line with what that salvation calls, how that salvation calls us to live. We keep his commandments. We align ourselves with the purposes of God for our love, for our life. And his love enables us to do that now. And you might think, okay, so I know that I've got to open the, I've got to abide in God's love. And now you've told me how. Now, John, tell me why. Well, John's fantastic because the very next verse he tells you why, doesn't he? He tells you in verse 11. He says, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There you go. Why would you do that? Because when we abide in God's gift of love, we experience joy. Our joy is only full when we wander in the love of God for our lives, in the purposes of God for our lives. If you abide in me, your joy will be full. Who does not want their joy to be full this Christmas? Or any time, quite frankly. I'm glad you didn't put your hand up. So what other roles? So we've got to, we've got to 
receive the gift. We've got to open it. What other role do we have? Well, we love him back. The receiver loves him back. You know, when someone really shows you something really loving, you, you want to love them back. You want to respond. How do you do that? You know, think back to a relationship when, you know, when, you, when that, that, that lovely girl gives you a gift or, or a wink or something or that lovely guy gives you something. And, and what do you want to do? Well, you, you want to love them back. How do you get to love them? Well, you start a relationship. You begin to relate with them. You listen to them. You talk to them. You hang out with them. You find out about them. You get to know them and, and they get to know you. You listen to the things that they love and, and you stack that away and you think, oh, they really love that. So in time, when I need to score points, actually, no, you don't. When I need to love them, this is what I'm going to do. You, you, you talk with them. And when you really love someone, you begin to aspire to, to be like them or to, to understand them even more. Well, when we think of God's gift to us, And we're the receiver. Our role is to do the same, to love him back, to build that relationship with him, to get to know him, to to listen to him, to to talk with him, to aspire to live the life that he calls us to live. (coughs) And you want to give a gift back, that gift of love. And it's easy to talk about in a human relationship, but we're talking about God's gift of love. Can we as humans even give a gift back? And if so, what kind of gift could we give? We call it worship. We call it adoration. We call it giving God glory. They're the fancy religious words, aren't they? But that's what it is. Worship, worthship. We express to him how much he's worth. We adore him for what he's done for us. We, we, we're in wonder of who he is. We, we glorify him. But we also give him our lives practically. <clears throat> what possible gift could you give God? You could give him your life. You can give him your time, your resources, your service. You can sacrifice for God. We definitely can give the greatest gift giver a gift back. We can give him ourselves. You know, I'm a bit of a Brian Adams, I like Brian Adams music, I don't know if anyone else likes that, but there's a, there's a ballad he sings, When You Love Somebody, and there's just a couple of lines out of that. He says, when you love someone, you'll sacrifice. You'll give everything you've got, and you won't think twice. I'm, he's not talking about God right now, but we are. You'd risk it all. No matter what may come when you love someone. And we think about that. That's actually, turn it around, that's actually what God did. Think about God. When he loved us, he sacrificed. He gave it everything he had. He didn't think twice. He risked it all, no matter what, because he loved us, that someone. Or if you want a more religious song, you remember that words, that well-known hymn by Isaac Watts? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Now, I there's nothing that's kind of excluded from all, is there? You know... You know, sing that song, you know... I often think of that song, I, remember us old people, remember that song, I Surrender All? 
I think actually we sing I surrender all, but we sing I surrender some, but not that. But God gave us all and he calls us to give our all. That's the love gift. So we have to receive it. But we also have to use the gift of love. We don't just receive it. We have to use it. You know, you've got to not just open the present and think, oh, I really like it. Now you've got to use it. You've got to blow that, that uh, saxophone. You've got to ride that bicycle. You've got to do something with it. Have you ever heard of re-gifting? That used to be a negative thing, but that's actually become trendy. I was listening to radio this week or, or watching something and it, re-gifting has become trendy. Now, you might have some, some families have a joke where there's this gift that goes around forever, this whole re-gifting thing. You know, and you've all got that gift where you thought, I don't even like that fragrance. I'm giving that to my grandma next time I see her, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. you know why we laugh, because we do it. Re-gifting. Well, let me tell you that this gift that we ponder on this Christmas, <clears throat> this greatest gift of love, we're commanded to re-gift it. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give that gift away. To whom? Well, the first one is to those around us. You know, those in your family maybe, those in your sphere, in your church, in the places that you are. And our second reading makes that clear, doesn't it? That's why we read that second reading. It says, um, let us love one another. That talks about what that love gift does. What would that look like? How would you uh, re-gift the gift of love to those around us? Well, we don't really need to go into a bunch of detail there. The Bible's full of examples. And recently we've looked at the churches that Peter wrote to, that Paul writes to in the Corinthians. And there's so many examples of how we can love those around us. We can create harmony. We can create unity. We can serve each other. We can prefer one another. That's tough sometimes, isn't it? But that's love. It's sometimes it's harder to do that because you don't really want to. You really want to prefer yourself. Or is that just me? We all want to do that. You sacrifice for each other. You forgive one another. That's tough too sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to do that because it's almost like giving, uh, giving in. We forgive one another. And boy, do we have the greatest example of that in our life in Jesus we help one another when, when you need help. We, we encourage one another. We, we build one another up. We protect one another. We defend one another. How do you re-gift that gift of love to the, the people that you're with in those spheres? In those ways. You love one another. So that's one way that we re-gift it. A second way we re-gift it, or to whom is the broken world. This is a world that doesn't know that love, nor do they have any idea what that love cost. You know, it's like, you know, giving telling them about something and they have no idea that they were even needing it. We take that love gift that our Father gave us and we give it away to a world that doesn't know it. A world that's in suffering and turmoil and and the, the issues in the world are purely because they don't know the love of Jesus Christ because they haven't received the love of Jesus Christ. We know that this gift at Christmas, this gift of love, 
is the solution to the pain and suffering of the world. We know that. You and I know that. We live, is, we live in that pain and suffering. We're a part of it. We experience it. But we know that Jesus is the solution to the pain and suffering in the world, that his love is. And God loves them. God loves the world and his heart breaks for them. And because we love what God loves, remember we aspire, we get to know God. Because we love what God loves, then our heart breaks for them as well, for those that don't know that love of Christ. So we must re-gift the gift, the Christmas gift to them. How do we do that to the world? We, you know, how do we tell them or how do we show them this love gift? Because it's hard. The world doesn't know that they need it. And what do we do? Well, explicitly, Jesus said go, didn't he? He said go into the world. He told us to go and tell people about Jesus. Tell them. Tell them about his love. We go to where the broken and lost are. Yeah, sometimes it means we've got to physically go there. Think of the people that come to Cavell. I'm looking at, um, at Keith. Think of transit, the people that come there all the time. We go where they need to hear and see the love of Christ. We have to do it explicitly sometimes. We serve them. And by serving them, we show them this gift of love. And we talk to them about how we've received this amazing gift of love, the greatest gift of all, and it's there for them as well. <clears throat> we teach them, we tell them, we preach, we disciple, we, we do evangelism on the streets, you know. Talk to Martin about that. We, we leave a tract at a coffee shop or at a cafe or a restaurant or wherever you are. We actually tell them, we actually do it explicitly. We disciple, we serve a world that doesn't even know it needs God's love. So we've got to do it explicitly. But we also do it implicitly, don't we? we? By loving one another, by loving others and each other. And the Bible says they'll know that love by the way that we love one another. We live as examples of that love wherever we go. We show the world that people can love each other even when they're different or think different. Right? It gets a bit harder sometimes when we think a bit different. You know, when, when you read this post on Facebook and you just really want to put your reply in there. And you think, hmm, maybe I won't. That's loving, isn't it? We, we, we implicitly show the world by the way that we treat one another. And that we can love another, each other, even if we're different. We help them to see that this love actually does cover a multitude of sins because we are forgiving each other. We're, we're living in unity together. We're recognizing our differences and moving on because we've all received the greatest gift of love. And here's the thing. In verse 12, isn't it? Verse 12 of 1 John chapter 4 where he says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So if we love one another, if we re-gift that love, if we are giving it away, if we're learning to take that greatest gift and re-gift it, then God abides in us. And then his love grows and is perfected in us. And so that our love grows, our understanding of God's love, but our love grows as we love others. 
So this Christmas, in the midst of all the hurry, the planning, the socialising, the menus, who's coming when, when's the family coming, where are we going on holidays, are we going to make it to their place, are we going to be able to see them and them and them on Christmas? Anyone else feeling it right now when I say that? Exactly. Exactly. Well, in the middle of all that, can I encourage you to ponder the love that God displayed to us in his son Jesus. Can I encourage it? Just take a moment to remember to receive the gift. Even if you've got to find a corner in your house, under your bed, in your workshop, guys, wherever you are, just take a moment, stop for a bit, receive the gift, and remember just to give thanks for the gift. There's plenty that is going to occupy your mind in this season. And then can I encourage you to love the giver? Just stop for a moment and worship him. Give him glory. Talk to him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how you appreciate the gift. Tell him how wonderful it is that you received that gift. And then encourage you, can I encourage you to re-gift it to the world? Maybe that starts at a work do. Maybe that starts in a relationship somewhere. Can I encourage you this Christmas to begin to re-gift that gift of love? Maybe it's in your workplace, even online. How amazing that Jesus came as God's expression of love for us, for me, for you. To set us free to be in full relationship with God. Right now, but also all the way into eternity. Let's head into Christmas with grateful and thankful hearts. For this gift of love. It's an old hymn. And there's one verse that says this. Thank you for the gift you gave. Giving what no other could. Thank you for the gift you gave. For the radical gift of love. That's our God. Let's pray. Lord, we want to say those words... Out loud again, thank you for the gift that you gave. Thank you for this amazing gift of love, the greatest gift that we could have ever received. And, and you give us so many gifts. There's so many things that you give us because you love us. But this tops them all. Sending us your son, Jesus, to take away our sin, to restore our relationship with you, to enable us to abide with you, to live with you, to commune with you and to know that love. There was no other that could give that gift and you did and we thank you for that. Thank you for the gift you gave. Thank you that it's a radical gift. It's a tough example to follow for each one of us, to give so sacrificially, to give so much. But what a wonderful example it is. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Would you give us the, the, the capability or the willingness and, and the ability to take a moment in this season to reflect on that gift, to thank you for it, to receive the gift, to, uh, to receive it again. Maybe it's been a long time since we've just stopped and pondered it. But to receive it again and to tell you that we receive it, to tell you that we love you and that we appreciate the gift. And would you show us even in this next, this next week or two, how we could practically re-gift that, live, that, love, that gift of love 
in the world that we might find ourselves in this next season. And we want to do it for your glory, Lord. We don't want to do it to make ourselves look good. We want to do it to point to you. You're a great, loving Father, more loving than we would ever know. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.